Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. You guys are not going to want to miss this very important speech I gave to the Laramie County Republican Party Gala, 1,800 people in Colorado recently. Uh, I got to share the stage with Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, who spoke right before me, the two Seths <laughs> defending life, right after the first Republican candidate, presidential candidate debates. And uh, I discussed kind of the, the, the current nature of the GOP, the post Roe versus Wade nature of the fight for life. And to 1800 Republicans, um, we very clearly explained what every Republican hero would say to conservatives today on the issue of life. What would Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan have to teach us about the fight for life during a very squishy, grand old party GOP that tends to abandon the pre-born of the ballot box almost every chance they get. Every Republican loves to call themselves a Reagan Republican or a Lincoln Republican. Well, what would these two men actually have to teach us about the fight for life? And we got a standing ovation barn burner of a speech to 1,800 Republicans in Colorado recently. You're not going to want to miss this important speech. Please share it with your friends. Buckle up. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. We want to thank our sponsor of Unaborted here. That is Every Life Diapers. This is America's pro-life diaper company. Did you guys know? I, I've, I've been telling you this, but like you gotta, you gotta tell all your friends about this. This is crazy. Every major diaper company in America, all eight of them either financially support or rhetorically support the abortion industry. Some of them were putting out ads when Roe v. Wade got overturned, offering to pay for their employees to like fly to states where abortion was more accessible to kill their children. That's a weird la-la land stuff right there. Pro-life diaper company, Every Life. The only pro-life diaper company in America. And guess what? They give a portion of their profits back to pro-life ministries like ours at the White Rose Resistance and pregnancy resource centers all around America. Listen, you can't defeat a culture of death by funding a culture of death. If you want to build a culture of life, you've got to fund that culture of life and be a steward of the of the funds God's given you. So you use code SETH10, that's SETH10. 10, you get 10% off your first order. Let them know that we sent you uh, and you're supporting our ministry and you're funding a culture of life. Promo code Seth10, everylife.com, everylife.com, every life. The only pro-life diaper company in America. Good evening. Is Jared Polis here? We invited Jared Polis and his uh, staff. Did he come out tonight? No. Um, he did ask me to inform you that you're all domestic terrorists um, and uh, ultra MAGA Republicans. I, I don't know what that means. But um, I was asked to communicate that to you. Um, Seth Dillon and I just became friends. And actually, uh, I never told him this, but this is a really fun story. Seth actually did a pro-life argument on the Joe Rogan podcast that made Joe Rogan go, Because uh. Joe Rogan's no conservative. You guys know this. We're grateful for when he blasts wokeness. But he's no conservative. He's no pro-lifer. And he asked Seth Dillon. He's like, come on, the girl that's raped, come on. I mean, you got to support those abortions. And he was like, well, abortion's healthcare, like rape is lovemaking. And Joe Rogan went. And so all I've got to say is I'm a little bit jealous that I wasn't the pro-life advocate named Seth to make Joe Rogan think his, overthink his pro-abortion bigotry. But Seth, well done. Uh, wasn't he great? Uh, good to be with you guys uh, tonight. Uh, so why did they have me out? After all, I, I mean, I'm, I don't have a uterus, right? Um, 
no uterus, no opinion. That's what I was told, right, man? You shut up on abortion. You don't have a uterus. Well, uh, I, I do university speaking tours, you know, with Turning Point and, and uh, Students for Life, and I always say, you know, that's a dangerous thing to assume in the age of Bruce Jenner. <laughs> you know, you don't know that I don't have a uterus, you know. And so my favorite thing to do on university campuses, we, we just even finished our last uh, speaking tour. It was called um, Adolf Who? Adolf Who? The Bloodbath of Margaret Sanger. And my artist painted Sanger with a Hitler mustache and uh, like a Hitler little uh, hat. And so we took this to uh, major universities all around the country. And so, you know, these, the pink-haired, uh, purple-haired um, feminists um, come up and they scream at me, you're a man, you don't get an opinion on abortion, you know. And I say, well, actually, as a uterus holder and a woman, um, I, I hope you would respect my opinion uh, on an issue um, that can speak to it with the same biological authority as you, as, as Sally, hear me roar. I, anyway. so, so two years ago, I announced on social media that I'm, I'm actually Sally. Uh, and, I, and for the purposes of my pro-life activism to save more babies from abortion. By the way, how, how do we know that preborn babies don't identify as porpoises? We, we could literally be overseeing the greatest genocide of porpoises in human history. Like, until the science comes in of transspeciesism, we need to halt all abortions. Because this could be the greatest holocaust of furries that has ever happened in, in the United States of America. Um, I think we need to put a full stop to all abortions until we can figure out the science here. Um, what a la-la land we're living in, huh? Um, and so after I learned how to liberate Sally from the biological prison of Seth, because the transgenders told me about the religion of humanism and it's one of its uh, liturgies and core tenets of, of Gnosticism, which is that the body is not the real you. And Gnosticism teaches that the real person is your conscious, your, your soul, your desires, your aims, and the body's just like a, it's just like a, it's like a Corvette that like your soul steps into to drive around. So your body's just like a vessel for the real you. Uh, and by the way, this is actually the language of the transgender movement. Did you know this? Like, this is not me, like, doing pot shots against the left. Like, there was literally a transgender documentary called, I am not my body. No, that's like, you understand that they, they say, like, I am not my body. Like, the, the, the body is not me. The, what's me is who, who I am on the inside. My self-identity, right? And, and actually, far-left networks have described the transgender movement as body hatred. Do we have any uh, pastors in the room? Raise it if you're an elder, a lay, a lay pastor, a senior pastor. Yeah, ever heard of the heresy called Gnosticism or Gnostic dualism? Yeah, it's actually the core belief of the entire religion of humanism in the transgender movement today. There's nothing new under the sun. So after I liberated Sally from the biological prison of Seth, I learned, listen to me, I have to share with you for one of the first times that I identify as trans-vaccinated. Be because j just as my, my phallic and my male chromosomes have nothing to do with the real me, because the real me is not my body, biological realities provide no rational basis for understanding who real persons are. So if I can rip the female out of this fleshy, random coincidence of male nature, then why can't I imprint my vaccinated identity on and imprint it onto my biological mass? 
And, and, and if I'm being honest with you, I, I always knew that I was born in a vaccinated body. I, I may not have received the Fauci-ouchie, and I may not have the spike protein, but biological realities are not true realities. They're just a random coincidence of nature, Darwin, and as such, they can be reshaped or refit to fit the preferences of an individual or the preferences and desires of the state. And this is why the CDC two months ago just said healthcare providers who help men pretend they're women and give them estrogen-induced breasts now need to help them excrete a substance from their estrogen male breasts so they can feel like a mommy and chest feed, chest feed their babies. Talk about not being able to satirize the culture of death. I am not kidding. That is now public health guidance from the CDC. That if you're a dude who has estrogen-induced boobies, you should be able to get public assistance to excrete some weird substance. I don't know what is coming out of a male's tit. So that when they have a baby, they can feel like a mommy. Who has noticed that this fulfills two of the left's weird priorities, by the way? Autogenophilia, the sexual arousal associated with picturing and fantasizing yourself to be the other gender. And pedophilia, men getting sexually aroused by making infants suck on their tit. Can I speak that clearly to this audience tonight? Are you all okay? Now, some of you are thinking, get this idiot off the stage. I thought he was a pro-life speaker. Yeah, I'm probably unlike any other pro-life speaker you've ever met because I'm not going to just stay in my lane and tell you that we should stop murdering babies, though I'll do that in just one second. We are being destroyed for lack of knowledge because we don't understand that this culture war was really always a proxy war for a far deeper spiritual war. G.K. Chesterton once said, Happy is he who knows not only the hidden causes of things, but who has not lost touch with their beginnings. The Protestants are like, huh? <laughs> and the Catholics are like, I love this guy. <laughs> Let me try that again. Chesterton said, happy is he who knows not only the hidden causes of things, but who has not lost touch with their beginnings. In other words, happy is he who knows how we got here. Happy is he who can trace the thread of ideas through hundreds of years of sexual, secular, weirdo, Darwinist, moral revolutionaries and trace those thread of ideas to our current predicament today to understand how we got here. Happy is he who knows that ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Transvaccinated, transgender, what if I told you this same weird kooky, old Christian heresy called Gnosticism is the fundamental foundational belief system of the entire culture of death today and the abortion industrial complex. Now, some of you are going, wait, I don't see it. This guy's weird. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to pretend I'm pro-choice for one moment. The baby may be human. It may have human parents because the law of biogenesis states all living things reproduce after their own kind, so dogs can only create dogs. Science. And a male and a female can only create a human being. So it may be a human being. It may have human parents. It may have a human body that's being developed and grown in the utero, but it's not a person. That was what Roe v. Wade said. It doesn't have any rights because real persons are not bodies. They're not flesh and bone and blood. Real persons are your thoughts, aims, consciousness, and desires. 
And so because the baby's not self-aware yet, they're not conscious yet, they don't have these cognitive abilities that we as the high priests of humanism say are required to meet their litmus test for personhood. So the baby's a human non-person. Oh, that sounds like Gnosticism. Sounds like the entire weird old Christian centuries-old heresy that's being brought back in the name of progress and is the driving force behind every new iteration of the culture of death today. And you were told that the culture war had nothing to do about Christianity or religion. <laughs> Cardinal Manning told a young Hilaire Belloc at the end of the 1800s, right before the turn of the century, he told him all human conflict is ultimately theological. Man is fundamentally a religious being. You can't get away from that. That's why the, 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 the Ten Commandments say, don't worship false idols. What's the assumption? That man is a worshiping kind of being. That he's going to worship something? So hey, don't, so don't worship the weird false stuff. Worship Yahweh, the one true God. Because you're a worshiping kind of person, man and woman. So make sure you're worshiping your creator. We will worship someone or something. Strip Christianity out of the culture and we go right back to demon worship. And is abortion not the greatest example of demon worship in the land of the free and the home of the brave today? <laughs> Sacrificing little children and babies to the sex gods, the war gods, the weather gods, and the crop gods so you can find a new way to live just a little bit longer. Everyone okay? <laughs> All right, so why should you listen to me? Because maybe I am a woman, maybe I'm not. Who really knows? Verdict's still out. Um, I've been a pro-life activist since I was a fetus. Um, that's my bio and I'm sticking to it. I'm actually only half joking. My mother was the executive director of a pregnancy resource center in the late 1980s and early 1990s. She only stepped down from saving those babies and loving on those moms and dads when she gave birth to me. So my mom was waddling around the pregnancy center in Azusa, California, in Los Angeles County, saving babies while pregnant with me. But I've been told by the follow the science public health eugenicists that seem to govern us that the body in her body is not her body. Hence the rallying cry of the pro-abortion movement, which is what? My body, my choice. So what's the assumption in that phrase? That there's only one body involved. My body, my choice. Well, have you ever heard of the law of transitive properties? This is when we taught logic before we were teaching gay porn in, in uh, junior high classes. Uh, so it goes like this. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals Oh, good, you're so woke and informed, you ultra-maga domestic terrorist. So if every part of the baby's part of the mother, and it's just her body and her choice, then every part of the baby is just the mother because there's only a mother, which means every baby my mother saved while directing a pregnancy resource center, I saved. <laughs> As a fetus. Follow the science, science. I would love to ban that phrase from American political discourse, by the way. Sometimes I feel like the princess bride. Like, I don't think that word means what you think it means, right? Yeah, amen. Uh, and then let's see, I was homeschooled through eighth grade. I went to Whittier High School, Nixon's alma mater in uh, Whittier, California, right outside of Los Angeles. My senior year, I did my senior project on the issue of abortion because I didn't have good pro-life answers to my pro-abortion, kooky, weird leftist friends. And I felt convicted about that. I picked abortion, and Whittier High School told me in 2009, you can't pick the topic of abortion, Seth. It goes against our project guidelines. They're right here. Did I tell you I was homeschooled? So I said, here's a copy of the Constitution you're making me read in government class. I recommend you read it, or you're going to have a lawsuit on your hands. So at 18 years old, I threatened a lawsuit to Whittier High School, a public high school in Los Angeles County, and they backed off real quick. 
I'm telling you that story because I learned from an early age something that hopefully you have learned now, or if you haven't learned it in the last three and a half years of chaos, you need to learn it tonight, which is that sometimes when good and righteous people stand up and they look Faustian, Faustian, little tyrannical dwarves in the face and say, sit down! They often do because it's just the appearance of strength to cover an inner weakness. They're overcompensating and they would rule over you and kill you if you would let them. But when the good people wake up, the bad people sit down. When the church stands up, Satan sits down, brothers and sisters. Amen. And do we need that in Colorado right now? Uh, I think so. I think so. As a California native, I know what it's like to live behind enemy lines, okay? California governor, you know, our, our California governor may not have a husband like yours. But, um, you know, I, I think he might be a weaker man if he did, actually. <laughs> you know, I think he might have a little less testosterone. It'd be a little, a little less of a threat to the babies in California if he did have a, you know, a gay partner or whatever it's called today. Is it marriage? I, I can't keep track. Um, here is how far our culture of death has gone. We live in a society that grants greater protections and rights to animals than to human beings. Which is why at the end of 2020, and I covered this in my podcast at the time, Colorado residents, on the same voting day, voted overwhelmingly to protect the gray wolf and introduce more gray wolves into the state of Colorado. But on the same day, they voted overwhelmingly to continue killing babies after 22 weeks gestation, late-term abortions where the baby could survive outside the womb. Fulfilling G.K. Chesterton's prophetic warning when he said... Wherever there is animal worship, there will be human sacrifice. You need to know that G.K. Chesterton was probably the most prophetic and prescient voice of the 20th century, along with C.S. Lewis, who seemingly predicted everything that we are living through and complaining about right now in our out-of-control culture of death. But something interesting happened on June 24th, 2022. Something we were told as conservatives would never happen and it was a battle you should give up on and abdicate on and accept the status quo because it's constitutionally decided, Roe v. Wade is never going away, just give up you stupid Republican conservatives. Of all the victories we could have won after two and a half years of COVID tyranny and of murdering the elderly and masking two-year-olds while you could get a lap dance, kill your baby, and get weed, and those were essential services, but you couldn't enter a congregation at 50% capacity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who entered human history in a uterus to redeem mankind from their sins. Of all the victories that we could have won coming out of 2021, entering the insanity of 2022, not only did we accomplish a massive victory for life and liberty, we overturned what I call the sacrament of Satan. The sacrament of secularism, the sacrament of humanism, and Roe v. Wade came crumbling down on June 24th, 2022. This was an incredibly providential victory. But for the Protestants and non-religious people in the room, the Catholics are going to know this, all right? It was a very providential day on June 24th, 2022. Do you know they say that providence is when God winks? As if to say, I'm still here. June 24, 2022, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was also the nativity of St. John the Baptist. 
Now, I'm a Protestant, I'm not a Catholic, okay? But I'm every Catholic's favorite Protestant, okay? <laughs> Come give me a hug afterwards, okay? The day in the church calendar where Christians celebrate Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and once she does, the prenatal John the Baptist voice in the wilderness starts doing backflips in the uterus because he recognizes the humanity and divinity of his prenatal deity savior, second member of the Trinity, God in Mary's womb. But because God is fully God and fully human, not from the moment of birth, Jesus is fully God and fully human from the moment of conception, follow the science, then that is God in the womb. That is the second member of the Trinity in the womb. That's the prenatal deity. Let me say that again. The prenatal deity, and because God and his life together in the womb, that's the prenatal God knitting the prenatal John the Baptist together in the womb while they're both in the womb, in the same room, while their cousins are visiting one another. But because that's the creator in the womb, then you've got the prenatal second member of the Trinity who once breathed out the freaking Milky Way, knitting himself together in the womb, while he knits himself together in the womb of a woman whose uterus he once knit together when he knit together Mary in the womb of Mary's mother. Uh, if you're not a Christian, that's called the incarnation, actually. Uh, it goes by another term, Christianity. Um, it's, the, it's the long expected arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords entering human history to redeem his people. But he doesn't choose to identify with you as your adult self. He chooses to enter our time and space and sin and identify with you from your most vulnerable stage, the prenatal stage, and takes on fetal flesh as the prenatal God-man. Of all the days that the death sentence of preborn children could have gotten overturned. That's a coinkadink. That's awfully interesting. And then that evening, about nine hours after we heard Roe v. Wade was overturned, there was a freaking planetary alignment in the night sky. Now, before the pastors go, ah, no, we don't read stars, Seth. We don't read stars. That's weird, kooky stuff. You're right, our Savior said it is a wicked generation that seeks for signs and wonders. But as one Catholic priest, George Rutler, said, it's a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. You don't have to go searching for them, but if they slap you in the face, just give credit to Providence and get back onto the field of battle. So a photo goes viral all along the interwebs and Google of five planets. I think it was Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and one other. It was this beautiful photo, and you could see all five planets visible to the stargazer by naked eyes in this one photo that was reshared millions of times around the world. Okay? The name of the astrophotographer who took the picture of the viral planetary alignment, which hasn't happened since 2002, the dude's name was Wright Dobbs. Am I not at a Republican Party gala? Why was that like 10 voices saying, wow? <laughs> okay, um, I thought you all, okay, okay. It's okay. Um, the name of the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24, 2022 was named Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, spelled D-O-B-B-S. The, the, the planetary photographer's last name is Dobbs, spelled D-O-B-B-S, and his first name's Wright, like they were right this morning in the ruling of Dobbs. Come on, that's just weird. Chalk it up to another coinkadink, another coinkadink. Or maybe God still intervenes in the affairs of men. And this was one last opportunity God was giving his people to be faithful, to walk out of the caves we've been hiding in, 
and start tearing down the high places of child sacrifice in America to give God a reason to show America mercy. I think the overturning of Roe v. Wade was one last chance. One last chance I'm giving you. But it also showed us the true colors of many would-be conservative Republican leaders. And nowhere was this more blatantly evidenced than the recent Republican candidate debates of a few weeks ago. I won't go through the comments of every single person, but let's just say this, the majority of them think that, th there's nothing, th that this has been nothing better since sliced bread than states get to determine their own abortion laws. They were so excited to say this is wonderful. Federalism, right? Federalism. Local government, Constitution or Republic, let the people decide in their localities. This is wonderful. It was taken off of the federal bench and put back into the hands of the people at the state level. So New York and Colorado and Oregon and Washington, California and Maine can slaughter children through point of birth. <laughs> but in Tennessee, we, 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 we protect babies. Yay! Get behind me, Stephen Douglas. Oh, who caught that reference? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the racist uh, let states decide their own slavery laws, Democratic politician who ran against Honest Abe for the 1860 election, whose core argument was, I'm personally opposed to slavery, but each state should decide their own laws. Yeah, I guess most of the Republicans running for president right now would have been like the Democrat racist Stephen Douglas then. Unless you want to tell me that babies in the womb don't have the same value and dignity as the black man and woman who was enslaved in 1850. Have a good luck making that argument to me from a biblical and conservative historical precedence, by the way. Oh, some of you are un uncomfortable right now. Yes, I'm not a fool. I'll probably never be invited back. But there are probably some people in this room who call themselves pro-choice Republicans, right? I'm a fiscal conservative social liberal. Oh, so you're just a greedy Democrat. I think we can learn a couple lessons from a couple people we probably all like in this room if we're going to find a path forward in this culture of death to protect life. Let's look at a quick lesson from Lincoln and a quick lesson from Reagan. What would Lincoln, the Lincoln Day dinner, have to teach us today in the fight for life? We're actually facing the same arguments used to dehumanize the unborn as the abolitionists were facing to dehumanize the black man and woman in the 1850s. What were the arguments of racists? The black man is not a person, Dred Scott v. Sanford, because of their melanin, their intellect, they're, well, they're just dumber than us, was the argument. And obviously, their skin color, I mean, look at them. I mean, they're so different than us. They don't look like us. Therefore, we are human and they are not. Therefore, we have rights and they, don't, they do not. So th they were not grounding our rights in our shared human nature. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. What, what, what uh, any creature? No, human beings, man and woman. That our rights are based on our shared common human nature. Look around the room, what do we have in common? Do we have gender in common? Skin color, intellect, IQ, musical ability, athletic ability? What's the only thing we have in common in this room tonight? 
We're human beings created in the image of God. So what happens when being human is no longer enough to have rights? What happened in 1973? The term human and person were ripped apart. What happened in Dred Scott v. Sanford? The term human and person were ripped apart. What happened in the Hiskirich, the German Supreme Court? The term human and person were ripped apart. The German Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court twice, Dred Scott and Roe, said that the term person does not apply to the black man and the term person does not apply to the, to the un, unborn. That's a very scary world. Because if the only thing we have in common is we're all humans, but then that's no longer enough to justify your natural rights before the government, then what will ground those rights? My point is this, this was the same debate being had in the 1850s. Do we all have the same rights in virtue of being human? Or do you have to have human plus categories? Human plus white. Human plus Aryan. Human plus born. Human plus conscious. Human plus self-aware. Or is being human, is that just enough to be a person with rights? So what we've been doing with abortion is what the racists were doing with the slaves, is that we've been putting in place the premises that justify our own enslavement. Here's how Lincoln dealt with this in 1854 on a little fragment of paper where he wrote the kind of argumentation he would later use in his famous debates against Stephen Douglas, the state's rights candidate. <laughs> Nikki Haley. <laughs> Here's what Lincoln said. He was pretending he was in a, in a debate with a slavery supporter, okay? Here's what he said. 1854, he writes this. You say A is white and B is black. It is color then. The lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Take care because by this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with a skin fairer than your own. Oops. Oh, but you say that it is a question of intellect. That whites are intellectually the superiors of blacks and therefore have the right to enslave them. Take care, by this rule, you are to be a slave to the first one you meet with an intellect superior to your own. But say you, it is a question of interest. And if you can make it in your interest, you have the right to enslave another. Very well. And if he can make it in his interest, he has the right to enslave you. <laughs> and you thought the abortion debate was like a new debate. What is Lincoln teaching us? That if you ground thing, if you ground rights on things that come in varying degrees, then it follows that rights come in varying degrees. Is everyone following me on that? Because, uh, let's put up, put up your hand if you're a white dude. Let's apologize for our whiteness, right? Okay, right, we all suck, right? So look, look at us white folks. So, do we all have the same shade of whiteness? No, not even Caucasians. Our, 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 our melanin comes in varying degrees. So what happens if you ground the right to life and liberty on melanin? It follows that the albino rules overall. Is that not what Lincoln was teaching us in 1854? 
every argument used to dehumanize and deperson the preborn child in the womb is based on a cognitive ability or function or accidental property that in itself comes in varying degrees. So when you accept the bigotry of slavery arguments and the bigotry of pro-abortion arguments, you're actually accepting premises that can then one day be used against you to deperson you. Oh, but we're being told by the pathetic excuse that the GOP has become at the national level. That this is just a single issue voting issue. Don't, 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 don't dehumanize other Republicans who are pro-choice or they want to carve out exceptions for murdering children. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for reproductive health care and reproductive justice. When really, we're in this predicament because we tolerated bad ideas that were planted into the soil of the Republic so many decades ago. This is what Lincoln has to teach us. That if you base rights on anything other than the fact that we're all humans, then human equality is destroyed for all people. Human equality is a myth. You can toss it out the window, tuck it away with the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. What about Reagan? What might Reagan have to teach us? Did you guys know that Reagan was pro-abortion at one point? Well, the governor of... California, and a beautiful, brilliant black woman named Mildred Jefferson, who was the director of the National Right to Life, made a case for the pro-life position on national television. Reagan watched it, changed his mind, and wrote her a letter and said, I wish I could have heard what you had to say before I signed the legislation I did in California. Did you guys know this? Reagan regretted the blood on his hands for the rest of his life. And he's the only sitting president to have written a book and published a book while a sitting president. And that book is called Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation. The only president to publish a book while a sitting president. Here's what Reagan said. Abraham Lincoln recognized that we could not survive as a free country as long as some men could decide that others are not fit to be free and should therefore become slaves. Likewise, we cannot survive as a free country today as long as some men can decide that others are not fit to live and should therefore be abandoned to abortion and infanticide. So says Reagan, there is actually no cause more important than affirming than the transcendent right to life of all human beings, the right without which no other rights have any meaning. If we were to paraphrase Reagan today, I would say, if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right, right, Listen, I'm not here to demean or attack anyone who fights on a different battlefront. Oh, I'm a gun-toting, Second Amendment, conservative, unapologetic, domestic terrorist, according to Attorney General Merrick Garland. I speak at school board meetings to blast them for their Alfred Kinsey, pornographic, kooky, gay porn, sexual education. I'm a domestic terrorist. I do all of these things. I'll join you on any battlefield. I'm not saying that other issues aren't important, but while many issues are important, they don't all carry the same moral weight. 
If we secure and protect our religious freedom, our freedom of speech, and our right to bear arms, but we continue to kill babies in the land of the free and the home of the brave, every other right we take for granted will continue to deteriorate until it too is lost. A conservatism that doesn't prioritize the total abolition of abortion as their highest priority will one day wake up and find that there is nothing left to conserve. And this is why our founders created an order of rights that represent the foundational building blocks of a society, each right requiring the former right in order to exist and sustain itself. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right to liberty and pursuit of happiness doesn't mean much. In fact, they mean nothing at all if you can be murdered in the womb and labeled as a pregnancy tissue and a non-person. And yet many of our woke and weak Republicans today don't grasp this simple truth that Reagan so eloquently explains because they see abortion as just one among many issues. So they insist that we shouldn't be single issue voters. Would you say the same thing about slavery? It's true, abortion is not the only issue of our day. Any more than slavery was the only issue in 1860 or killing Jews was the only issue in 1940, but both were the dominant issues of their day. While many issues are important, they don't all carry the same moral weight. Oh, and by the way, for all of us conservative Republicans who are regularly labeled racists because what? We uh, don't support massive social safety net programs. Or what? Uh, we support the Second Amendment gun rights. Or we're pro-life and they say pro-life laws are racist because black women need abortion more and so somehow pro-lifers are racist. Let me just encourage you brothers and sisters in this room tonight, being pro-choice is actually far worse than being a racist. Why? Because while both ideologies entail the dehumanization and mistreatment of actual human beings, the pro-choicer specifically targets a baby who can do nothing to stand for her rights. Not all racists called for the slaughter of blacks, but all pro-choicers call for the slaughter of babies. Being pro-choice is far more evil than being a racist. Oh, and by the way, if the KKK could have known the devastation they could have wrought on the African-American populace by trading in a white hood for a white coat, they would have done it years ago. Fulfilling Margaret Sanger's Negro Project, launched in 1939, when she said, quote, the mass of Negroes, particularly in the South, are still breeding carelessly and disastrously, with the result that the increase among Negroes, even more than among whites, is from that portion of the population least intelligent and fit, end quote. Oh yeah, some of y'all didn't know that one. The Negro Project, launched in 1939 by Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, and I just read to you the opening proposal of her Negro Project. But we're labeled racist for wanting to protect black and white babies in the womb. Give me a break. Do not ever let those who lynch children in the womb lecture you on morality. They have abandoned the high ground. So what am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to say that those who murder the unborn cannot be trusted to govern the born. And those who murder the unborn will one day murder you too. The longer you tolerate and make peace with the genocide of abortion.
And so because those who murder the unborn cannot be trusted to govern the born, the Attorney General and the FBI are arresting pro-life sidewalk counselors. BLM Antifa, the domestic terrorist arm of the Democrat Party, is burning down pro-life pregnancy centers, vandalizing them, and spray painting on their walls the words, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. But when that kooky, weird leftist drives his car over that teenage Republican and murders him because he was a Republican, as of yesterday, we learned he's getting five years in prison. Who remembers that story? Thank you. But if you tried to rescue children from an abortion center and you trespassed, but you sat peacefully in the waiting hall and you tried to save a child, five pro-lifers right now are looking at 11 years in prison. So murder a Republican, get five years. Trespass and try to peacefully save a baby, 11 years in prison. What if I told you that most of the evil in our society can be traced back to our tolerance of child sacrifice in America? It's the sacrament of the religion of humanism. Because abortion says, you must die so I can live. But Christ says, no, I must die so you can live. So abortion is the alternative gospel. Which is why Peter Kreft, the Catholic philosopher, said, abortion is the demonic parody of the Eucharist. That's why it uses the same holy words. This is my body. But with the opposite blasphemous meaning. So what does our Savior say at the First Communion? This is my body. Ah, I'm going to break it for you now, church. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Do you think it's a coincidence that the central phrase of the entire culture of death today are the same words? This is my body. So if I want to cut off my penis or mutilate my vagina, my body, my choice. If I want to murder my baby, shut up. This is my body. All human conflict is ultimately theological. So if you're not a Christian here tonight, I invite you to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who entered human history in a uterus to identify with you from your most vulnerable stage. And if you repent and believe, you will be saved and experience the greatest adventure of being used. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. We now have to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, how then shall we live? Stop waiting for pregnancy resource centers to do the work that God has called you to do individually. Stop waiting for Susan B. Anthony List and Turning Point USA to do the work that God has called you to participate in individually. So I'll leave you with the words of a great Republican governor. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Let's set the record straight. There is no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there is only one guaranteed way that you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender.
Admittedly, there is a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will be faced with the final demand, the ultimatum. And one day when the time comes to deliver that ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary, because by that time we will have weakened from within, spiritually, morally, and economically, and from our side we hear voices pleading for peace peace at any cost or as one commentator said he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet and therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us you and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery if nothing in life is worth dying for when did this begin just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the Pharaoh? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then is this road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. That you and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is the meaning in the phrase peace through strength. Winston Churchill said, the destiny of mankind is not decided by material computation. When great forces are on the move in the world, stirring all men's souls, drawing them from their firesides to cast aside wealth, comfort, and the pursuit of happiness in response to impulses at once awe-striking and irresistible, we learn that we're spirits and not animals. And something is going on. In space and time and beyond space and time, which whether you like it or not spells duty, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. I will see you on the battlefield. Now go out there and give them heaven, will you? Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Rumble. Give us a rating and review. We barely survived a uh, YouTube double strike attack, and we're starting to post there again. But will you go subscribe to Rumble for us? Help insulate us against the um, thought speech censors um, who, uh, who give us a strike every time we are guilty of wrong think and wrong speak. Uh, go subscribe over there. Share this episode and this speech with some of your friends, will you? We got a lot of conservatives and Republicans who are not clear on these most decisive, decisive of all moral issues. Share this widely. If you want to become a member and ally of the White Rose Resistance to help us rebuild Christian resistance against the culture of death to end our Holocaust before it's too late, head on over to thewhiterose.life, thewhiterose.life. And at $35 a month, you get access to our 
a digital resistance circle where you get curriculum courses, training, live calls with me, activism assets, live calls with special guests, and uh, a little uh, special thank you in the mail. If you join at $35 a month, at $70 a month, you get joined into our Culture Warrior Book Club with yours truly. Once a month, we'll be reading a book together to understand the times, to be able to stand and be faithful in these dark, unprecedented, evil times at $70 a month. But hey, help us rebuild Christian resistance before it's too late. It's the <laughs> evil is on the rise like we've never seen it before. Head on over to thewhiterose.life and become an ally of the resistance. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs>